with my, say my sermon, my speech, I don't preach, this is my first time. Um, my talk this morning is going to be on a masterpiece in progress. And that goes towards the theme for the club, which is God's canvas. And we know when we have a canvas, we use it to paint, to draw, to put things together on, to make a picture. And our text this morning, I'm going to be reading it in a different version from the message. And it says, now God has us where he wants us. Isn't that special? We think we are where we're supposed to be, but God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world and the next, to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we have to do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play a major role. If we did, we'll probably go around bragging that we've done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Because when God gives us a mission, we are to step up and step out and honor the call. Now, in being a masterpiece, you know this masterpiece is a special. And what makes something a masterpiece? It's because usually it's one of a kind. If there were two Mona Lisas, it wouldn't be a masterpiece. It wouldn't be as worth as much as it is. It wouldn't be invaluable. And that's the same way as we are. We are each one of a kind, made in God's image. Now, I'll tell you a little story about a woman named Amy. Amy desperately wanted blue eyes. Every time she looked in the mirror, she saw her brown eyes staring back at her. She asked God to make them blue. Everyone else in her family had blue eyes, and Amy could not imagine how God had slipped up and given her brown eyes. As Amy grew up, her eyes remained the same shade of brown, no matter how hard she bargained with God to turn them blue. Her desire to have brown eyes was eventually replaced by a greater desire, telling people about Jesus. One morning in church, Amy learned about people in India who needed God's love, and God filled her with a great desire to share his love with them. So while she was still a young woman, Amy traveled thousands of miles away from her family in England to live among the women in India. The women of India, they cover their mouth and their nose in public. So all you see are their eyes. Do you hear where I'm going with this? Amy wanted to honor these customs, so she also wore a scarf across her mouth and nose. After she had put the scarf in place, she looked in the mirror. What she saw took her breath away. A brown-eyed, Indian-looking woman staring back at her. Her brown eyes made her look just like the Indian women 
she was trying to share Jesus with. If her eyes was blue, she never would have been able to reach them. So Amy was thankful for her brown eyes from that day on. So we have to remember, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Whatever God gives us, we have to be thankful and use it to his honor and his glory. God knew long before Amy Carmichael was born that he was going to send her to India. He knew that those brown eyes would be better than blue eyes in India. She was perfectly created for God's plan. And for 55 years, Amy Carmichael served as a missionary in India, fulfilling God's plan for her life. Amy realized that she was a masterpiece, wonderfully made in God's image. Do you feel like a masterpiece? But why does it matter that we should be a masterpiece or think about ourselves as a masterpiece? It matters because God is your creator and king. You can be sure that you are his masterpiece and he has a perfect plan for you. We must trust his plan for our life even when it doesn't make sense to us. See, it never made sense to me that I would be camping or working with thousands of children someday. Didn't make sense to me back then, but it makes perfectly sense now because I don't see myself doing anything else. So we always have to trust. When we think of a masterpiece, we always think of the priceless paintings. Masterpieces are valuable and priceless. Many objects have value based upon what someone is willing to pay for them. Priceless items are precisely because their owners are unwilling to part with them for any amount of money. Now kids, even the adults may remember way back when. Remember that great drawing you made when you were little? You were so proud of it. You couldn't wait to show your parents, right? We remember those days? Unfortunately, your parents never knew what that picture was. They looked at it, and then they told you that was the prettiest air balloon they had ever seen. And then you had to frustratingly try to explain that's not an air balloon, that's a giraffe. But still, it was invaluable and priceless because you made it, and your parents would never give that away. And I'm sure if we look in our houses now, there's a picture that you may have drawn when you were a child because it became something priceless to your parents, something that they would never part with. And that's the same way God thinks about us. We are each his special creation. We are original in every way. Every day we go along, there are adjustments and corrections that has to be made in our lives. And each day we have to think, but God. But God had mercy, but God loves us. But God intervenes, and just as he brought order to the chaos way back in Genesis 1, he puts us back together like a mosaic, which consists of many pieces, each of those pieces important and necessary. Maybe God's masterpiece is less like a painting and more like a mosaic. 
We all know a mosaic is consisted of many small pieces, whether it's glass, stone, whatever it is, it's assembled to make a perfect looking picture. And that's how we are. He puts us back together. It may seem unrelated, in many cases useless things, but it's put together the way the heart of the artist is looking at it. All of us have broken pieces in our lives. They're broken pieces of experiences, relationships, school, friends, families, feelings, failures and triumphs. They're all pieces that make us. But God, he has a bad habit of putting those broken pieces back together. In spite of how much we may fight him, he puts those pieces back together that we may be a useful instrument in his service. So for us to understand what God wants for us, we have to know his will. So first we have to know that God wants you to know him. In order to serve him, you have to know him. And in Ephesians 1, 4 to 7, it tells us, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So it's just how your parents planned for you and they knew you were coming. They start making all these plans. They start thinking, okay, this one's going to be a doctor. This one's going to be a teacher. That's the same way God planned for us before the world began. He had great plans. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. So God chose us, but he also gave us the free will to choose him. And that's what he wants. The second thing is God wants to change you. You know, a lot of the times we are told, come to church, come as you are. But do you stay as you are? No, we are to change. It's the same way when a child starts going to school. They change as they advance. Do they always stay in the first grade or kindergarten? No, we expect them to advance. And that's the same way when we come to God. He wants us to change, to grow. The same way when you started in employment. You don't always stay at the same level. You learn new things every year. And that's what God expects of us. So the scripture for this and what we read today is that we are God's workmanship. Created in Jesus Christ. But the thing is that we have to remember we can't boast about the talents that we have, because we didn't give ourselves those talents. God gave them to us, and he wants us to use those for change. When an artist creates a work, changes are consistently done. He doesn't just start one day and bam, I'm done, I'm finished. No, he works hard on that. He looks at it every day. He makes changes till it becomes what he wants it to be, and that's the way that God uses us. We have to allow God to mold us, to make us, and to form us into that heavenly image of him, what we were first created. Our hearts and minds must be open to receive the modifications that we read about in that holy book every day. The third thing is that God wants you to find your mission. We all have a mission. 
And a mission does not mean you have to travel overseas. A mission does not mean it has to be big and grander. Everything you do for God is a mission. And in the message, Ephesians 3, 7 to 8, 7 to 8 tells us, and this is how Paul felt when God revealed his mission to him. This is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise, God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. We all know the story of Paul. He was not qualified, but God used him. Because we don't always have the qualifications, but we have the desire and the will to do God's work. So God saw that I was equipped, and you can be sure that I had nothing to do with my natural abilities. We are all not called to be preachers or missionaries traveling abroad. We can help the homeless, feed the hungry, listen to someone who wants to talk, just be an ear to someone. Call that church member you haven't seen in weeks. You don't know what they may be going through. They may just need a listening ear to talk to someone. Say hello to that person you pass on the street. That may change their day just by knowing someone took the time to speak to me and say hello. These are all the simple things we can do as a mission. And finally, first of all, we need as youth, as children, as adults, to find our identity in Christ. We all grapple with figuring out who we are. Even when you get old, you still can't figure out who you are. We still try to wonder, but we have to get that identity in Christ. And knowing who you are is understanding that you are who God says you are. Young people and some adults are still looking for that. We allow others to shape us, which never turns out well. We have to let go and let God. Let him use that canvas to mold us into the masterpiece. We know that we are, he knows that we are capable of being and becoming. In this world, you'll be constantly be told what people think about you. It's impossible to live life without hearing what other people think about you. But you have to be aware of what sticks to you and what rolls off of you. Pretty much everyone you come in contact with have some kind of opinion. But whose opinion matters most? God's. God thinks you are worth fighting for. In Exodus 14, 13 to 14, he tells us, Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And now here's the deal, kids, youth. God does not need you. He does not need any of us. He's God. But the difference is, is that he wants you. And that makes a big difference. 
Needing something and wanting it is two different things. So when you want something, you do everything you can to acquire what it is you're going after. And God does that. He didn't need to send his only son to die for you, but he did that so we can be forgiven of our sins. He loved you so much that he wanted to be with you forever. So he made that ultimate sacrifice. God thinks that you are that masterpiece. And another word where he talks about his handiwork in Ephesians 2.10 is that the handiwork is a masterpiece. You, each one of you, are God's masterpieces. Can you just think, take a second, and think how amazing it is that the Bible says that you are God's handiwork. When, the fam- when a famous artist creates a new painting, fans from everywhere comes to see that painting. People will ooh and ah and look at it and will be willing to pray, pay incredible amounts of money for it. And they take it home and hang it up so they can look at it every day. So next time you don't like the way you look, or next time someone tells you what they think of your looks, and it's something less than amazing, I want each of you to remember, you are God's masterpiece. God also thinks that you are more than a conqueror. Romans 8.37 tells us, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I am nothing like a conqueror. I feel like a coward sometimes, not a soldier. We are not always strong. But there are times when we feel so useless that you can't imagine anyone would ever think of me as a winner. But here we have God saying that we are winners because we are more than conquerors. And how? Through him who loved us. So next time you're feeling down about yourself, remember that not only are you loved by the creator of the universe, you also are more than a conqueror through him. Remember, God spoke everything else into existence, but he bent down personally and formed man out of clay. So we have the touch of the master's hand on us, and that's how we are to work. Also, you remember you are loved, and Christ accepts you as is. You know, when we buy that car, we buy it as is, and we go with it. So when God made us, he accepted us, and he accepts us as we are. I have loved you, Jeremiah 31.3 says. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. How many things we have around us that's everlasting? Nothing. Those shoes that you buy, which you pay a lot of money for, they wither away, they fall apart. Those clothes that we spend a lot of money for, they get old and we can't wear them anymore or we outgrow them. But God's love can never be outgrown. Nothing you do can stop God from loving you. You may step away from him, but he never steps away from you. And he's always standing there waiting for you to come back to him. 
I can think we can all agree that there are times when we don't feel very loved, or times we feel like we don't deserve to be loved. No matter who else in your life you have, whether you have wonderful family or you don't, none of that matters when it comes to know how loved you are. Because God just goes ahead and blows everyone out of the water when it comes to love. We may love our family, but there's no way we love anyone the way God loves us. He doesn't just love you. He loves you with that everlasting love. When you mess up, he still loves you. When you're doing life your way, he still loves you. He loves you the way you are right now. And in this moment, he loves you as you are. God also thinks that you are delightful. Isn't that wonderful to think you're somebody to think you're delightful? Yes. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Can you wrap your mind around that? That God takes delight in you, each and every one of you. It would be nice to hear from someone that you are worth delighting in. But from God, that's just incredible. We often allow others to think of us, to shape how we think of ourselves, but that needs to stop because our value is not in what other people think, but in what God thinks of us. From now on, you need to think about yourself the way that God thinks about you. When you have the creator of the universe saying these things about you, does it really matter what everyone else thinks? No, it doesn't. Once you've heard these things, it just seems silly to worry about anyone else. Our worth is based on the touch of the master creator in our lives. As the pieces come together in a valuable and priceless work of art, the world will see that God has control on the canvas of our life. It's not always easy, but we have to let go of the pen, let God write that story. Let go of the art supplies. Let God create his masterpiece. And I will leave you with this poem. I'm sure a lot of you know it. The touch of the master's hand. Well, it was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer felt it was hardly worth his while to waste much time on the old violin. But he held it up with a smile. Well, it's showing much, but it's all we got left, and I guess we ought to sell it too. Oh, now we'll start a bid on this old violin. Just one more and we'll be through. And then he cried, one dollar, give me one dollar. Who'll make it two? Only two dollars. Who'll make it three? Three dollars twice. Now that's a good price. Now who's got a bid for me? Raise your hand now. Don't wait any longer. The auction's about to end. Who's got four, just one dollar more, to bid on this old violin? Well, the air was hot, and the people stood around as the sun was setting low. From the back of the crowd came a gray-haired man, came forward and picked up the bow. He wiped that dust off the old violin, Then he tightened up the strings. 
Then he played out a melody, pure and sweet, sweet as the angels sing. And then the music stopped, and the auctioneer said, with a voice that was quiet and low, what is my bid for this old violin? And he held it up with a bow. And then he cried, give me 1,000, 2,000, who'll make it three? 3,000 twice, you know that's a good price. Come on, who's going to bid for me? And the people cried out, what made the change? We don't understand. Then the auctionist stopped, and he said with a smile, it was the touch of the master's hand. You know, there's many a man with his life out of tune, battered and scarred with sin, and he's auctioned it cheap to a thankless world, much like the old violin. But then the master comes, and the foolish crowd, they never understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought just by the touch of the master's hand. So we have to remember, you are special, created by the hands of God himself, awakened by his breath, filled with his spirit, redeemed by his blood, live by his love, for none of this earth can be measured equal to you. So live as what you are supposed to be, the masterpiece of God. And we have to remember, live our life each day. We are special. God made us special. Don't put yourselves down, kids. Don't let anybody else put you down. You have a mission to fulfill for God in this life. And that mission is to take his word to everyone that's in need. And you don't have to travel overseas to do that. Your friends in school, your neighbors down the street, reach out to those and let us fulfill our mission for God. Thank you.